Listening Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken, the rugby podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Hello and welcome to Rocket with me, your host, Kieran Bracken. Today we're joined by England wing legend Rory Underwood, who has a record 49 tries under his belt. Rocket with Kieran Bracken. Where are you? Are you in like an Air Force field or something? Or is that, what background is that? No, I'm at work, I'm in the office. Ah, right. Listen, thank, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Um, it's great to have you. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about your career. I mean, in the next few minutes, the England team's going to be announced. We can talk about England and Wales, but um, I had the pleasure of playing with you for many, many years. And um, I like to think I assisted you. There was a stat going out there of, of who was the biggest assist assister for Rory Underwood tries. And... <clears throat> Jerry Guscott was, I think he was 33%. And the next one was um, was Mike Cat at 13%. I couldn't see Jerry Guscott or um, uh, any other many other players, but I wasn't even there at all. But I like to think I, I, I played a hand in some of them, Rory, just some of them, just, just, just for our listeners, just say I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you turned up. I told you, listen, my past was faster than Darren Morrison. So that's that gave you that extra yard, all right, to get you over the line. But wow, I mean, it's, um, you know, there's so many questions I wanted to ask you. But I mean, you know, 49 tries, record try scorer, you know, legend of the game, Lions tours, uh, 85 cats for England. I just want to ask you, what, what was your favourite try in oh. your whole career? You must have been asked that all the time. I do, and it's and it. Uh, this is going to sound big-headed, and it's not meant to. But I've, right. obviously, I've scored forty-nine tries for England. So, which one do I pick? Yeah. Um, I, I tend to answer the question. Um, I've, I've got several I always have in mind, and, and there's reasons why. So, obviously, uh, your first try. Oh yeah. Is always going to be a memorable one. I mean, I scored it in Paris, second game. Amazing. Uh, stepped inside uh, Serge Blanc and scored on the post in, in oh. Paris, France. Oh. So, yeah, it's just to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that'll do for me, yeah. Um, I got a hat-trick against Argentina. I got five against Fiji. Um, then then there's other games like the um, 91 game against uh, Ireland at Dublin. And we were struggling that day. We were, you know, it just com- coming off the back of the, the loss to Scotland the previous year in the Grand Slam decider. We were playing the Triple Crown in Dublin. It was a wet day. We were struggling. And then eventually... I did a scissors with, with Hodgie and cut through and managed to uh, beat a few people and score in the post, which then took us in the lead. And then we stretched away. I think we won about 18 or 19, 10 or something. So it was a pivotal, it was a pivotal try. Yeah. So again, that has a, a, a memory of that. Um, and obviously the one that stands out as well, uh, along with those, is obviously my one and only chess try for the Lions in, uh, in Wellington in the second Yeah, team. amazing um, try. Yeah. So, uh, so it's one of those things, you know... <laughs> it's fascinating if I had to sit back down and try and talk you through every single one of those tries the 49 there'll be tries I can't remember oh you're so lucky see I can remember I've only got three you see it's pretty short for me <laughs> do you know what I mean but I've got a lot of assists you see Roy. I've got a lot yeah. of assists but I tell you, I tell you what was um, fascinating when I first joined England and um, you were obviously you know very world renowned then uh, but, but I sort of was 
joined around the same time as your as as your brother, and yeah. um, that was it. It was interesting to what was that like for you though to have your brother in the changing room because you could have a great day, score a load of tries. You could have a horrible day, like maybe General Lomu run over the top of you. So, but what's it like having a family, you know, in the changing room beforehand? And your, your mum was very very famous for her yeah, yeah. sort of support in the crowd. But what was that like having a family affair with England? Amazing. Um, well. Because we were teammates, it wasn't as big a jump. It wasn't as we had two different teams and we came together and we were playing for the same team and it was England. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously having him in the change room and, and playing is great. But, you know, you know what it's like in that change room just before you go out. Uh, you can have that sort of banter with, the, with, um, uh, with your brother or whatever or even each other yeah. in training, the, you know, the, 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 ex, the extensive training we used to do on Thursday and Friday before a match um, in the At good the pub. Yeah. yeah, in the sun. Um <laughs> But of course, when you get into the you know into the changing of the Twickenham uh, or wherever you are, and you are now one hour, half an hour, five minutes to go to kick off the national anthem, and you go on the pitch, it's not the same thing. You just got you're playing with fourteen teammates. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. on the pitch, it never, it never when, in you know, if he scored a try, I was over the moon because my brother scored a try yeah. or or whatever. Um, I mean, that particular you know the, the the image that everybody remembers about my mother or our mother, sorry, and. It was it was uh, 1993, um, Scotland at Twickenham, and um, I'd scored a try and and actually uh, assisted Tony in for a try in the corner. So two of us scored a try that day. Yeah. So um, and created the world's most famous mum in the rugby circuit. Oh, it was, mate, it was brilliant though, wasn't it? She was like going absolutely wild. Um, I mean, listen, I, I, my, I love my mum to sort of get those headlines, but it was great to have the whole fan because she was on everything then, wasn't she? Like they had well, pictures yeah. of you, but she was everywhere. She was on the front of every paper. They're all interviewing about it. Well, but uh, Tony, I'm very, very realistic. You know, she was way more, much more famous than either myself or Tony ever were. So, you know, everywhere so, I go, anybody, it didn't make a difference. Her, uh, you know, club I go and speak at or countries I go and visit or whatever. Your mum. How's your mum? Yeah. <laughs> That's great, but I mean, so so uh, yeah. So still uh, focusing on your career, though. I mean, who, who was the hardest winger that you ever played against? I mean, uh, I will talk about Jonah Lomo and that World Cup match. But from your point of view, who did you find the hardest? Because there were some fantastic wings around in your time. Yeah, I mean, Jonah doesn't make my list because he was on the opposite wing to Tony. Yeah, um, and I only played one game against him, so it's well documented. I, I, I wrote in the back of my um, uh, autobiography, but there's three I always regale, which is. John Kerwin, who was a... Oh, yeah, a, fullback. A, uh, no, um, John Timo. John Kerwin was the winger. Um, yes. JK. Yes. Uh, who was, you know, sort of like mid-80s to early 90s. And he was a big guy as well. So very, Massive. very, very physical winger. Um, maybe not quite as, as physically dynamic as Jonah was, but still a very physical big yeah. guy. He could run fast. Um, Patrice Legisque. The uh, yeah. Beeritz Express. Yeah. Um, the reason why he was difficult was he was not only quick, and I mean quick. Yeah. yeah. Was uh, one hell of a side step on him. So as a winger, when you're the, the on the end, you know you don't want to show him the outside because he might take it. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to sort of cover too much the outside because if he stepped you, then he would. Yeah. You know, step on the inside. So you know he was always a real handful to um, to, tap, uh, to defend against. And the other one I put, um, not because he's got a big job, but just because he was outstanding, is David Campisi, who I played against. Oh, years. yes. David Campisi. I mean, yeah, he could do everything. He had the skills yeah. as well, didn't he? Oh, you know, for me, Campo 
he wasn't necessarily the quickest winger in the world. He wasn't powerful. He wasn't, you know, a John Lemo or a John Kerwin. For me, his his speed of 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 decision making and process and his football ability combined together, he was. You just, you know, it's the old, uh, you know, expect the unexpected with with Campo. It's, yeah, his brain worked at a much faster speed than anybody else, and you know, at times he would do things when the rest of his teammates didn't really weren't on the same uh, page with him because they were so far behind. But if they were, they could benefit from his skill set, which is yeah. outstanding. Yeah, I mean, his range of tries were just just amazing, weren't yeah. they? And the, and, the, and the loft loads and all of that. And he would... His footballing skills. I mean, that 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 pass he gave in 91 semi-final oh. to uh, Timmy Horan to score, which is sort of like a backflip yeah. sort of to a space. I yes. mean, yeah, just incredible. Just incredible. But from your point of view, you know, the game has changed since we started out, hasn't it? And you didn't get many years as a professional or any, I'm not sure. But I mean, it's the game has changed and you look at the sort of players who are playing on the wing now and I really get want to get your insight into where do you think the game is going? There's a lot of uh, criticism about about you know the size of the players now being more important than the skill level but you have seen over the last year or so one or two smaller players coming in as a wing like Cheslin Colby those sort of players but interesting to get your take on sort of the current crop now that you know the one who's making all the headlines at the moment is uh Reece Samit um you know who who's sort of got the sort of natural speed natural pace you've got Je- Johnny May who had a tough week a few weeks ago but um, you know is back in form but look, looking at the current crop who are you really excited by and um, <clears throat> do you think you'd have made it in this era I'm sure you would have easily uh, but 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 let's talk about the current crop I was say because there's about six seven different questions you're asking there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean uh, Reece Summit I mean yeah talented player really um, very impressed with him. I mean, he's got pace. And again, I agree with you. Um, size isn't everything. You know, mm-hmm. there are some restrictions to have with size. Um, and yes, everybody's got bigger, but primarily because everybody got fitter. So all the big guys before wouldn't have been very fast. But, but now yeah. they're fitter because they're all training professionally. Yeah. They are able to have that. I mean, I remember Ozzy Lumsden, the old Bath and Gloucester uh, fallback, um, saying in the early days, you know, it was in the old days, we used to just go hit up the middle, then run down the blind side and run around all the fatties. Yeah. Well, can't, you can't nowadays. Oh, no, you can't do that. No, not at all. So, you know, um, I think I think this whole crop, it's, 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 it's this, it, part of that goes with, there's more prevalence to injuries and stuff like that. So, mm. Oli Thorley is somebody like I've got a lot of time for. Yeah, very uh, good. Anthony, Anthony Watson, I think, is an outstanding footballer. Um and who's most like you, do you think? If you look at it, who's most like you? Um, hmm, it's interesting because I, I, I had very, very average footballing abilities. I was more of a, <laughs> I was, I was more of a finisher. finisher. So, you know, kicking, kicking the ball out of my hand. Yeah. Brilliant long spin passes out the left hand. Yeah. And that wasn't my, my forte. Obviously it was get the ball to Rory and, and, and you know, hopefully he finishes off. That was, yeah. that was very much my, and all the rest of my stuff was was pretty average. So, you know, I, I was never by all means an all-round player. And even though I'm five foot nine, uh, I was reasonably stocky. Not, yeah. you know, any massive or anything, but um, the power I had because of my, you know, I was blessed from my mum and dad was my my ability from naught to 60. In fact, naught to 30 was that, well, that was, that was what gave me the advantage. So that yeah. first bit, I could just get that half yard away. Yeah. Um, you know, once I got past 30, 50 yards, you know, I just hope I had enough space to, be able to keep going. <laughs> and, 
uh, and not to not to sort of start going backwards. But you know, I'm more of a 30, 60 meter runner than I am a 60 hundred, which yeah, that's all the time. Who's faster between myself and Tony? And the first 30, I would say I'm I'm a fraction of Tony. But if you want to go further down a 60 hundred, Tony would probably. Uh, yeah, just just on. I always thought, you know, the World Cup we, re- reflection, you know, is 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 so easy. Twenty twenty, uh, sort of. When you look back, well, why didn't you play against Lomu and your slighter brother play on the other side? I mean, well, on, I, oh. there, there was no real discussion. I, I never ever had a discussion either with Tony or with the management. You know, we'd just come off the back of um, great win, a yeah, great win against Australia, yeah, Australia, yeah, yeah, uh, and. You know, I've heard all, all these sort of, I've read various things or some talking about it recently. And it was like, that was a team that won. We played well. That's the team that's going to face um, uh, the All Blacks. And yeah. come, you know, because the, the, the left and right wing would stay as it was. That, that was pretty much thinking, you know, it's always those situations where do you, do you try and change your tactics for one person or not? And there's always pros and cons both ways. You can argue it both ways. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an amazing time. But just so, so let's just focus on England and hopefully the, the team will be announced in the next few minutes. But um, actually, it has been announced. So they've got they've got Elliot Daly at fullback yeah. and Anthony Watson um, at 14 and Johnny May on the other wing. Um, I just want to get your opinion on them. I mean, it's very frustrating when you when you watch England at the moment where they've got this dynamic, you know, back three and yet they just don't want to give him the ball I know against Italy they gave him the ball and some nice tries but Elliot Daly at fullback he's sort of really struggled with form and yet still seems to be getting picked this is a, a sort of headline with Eddie Jones it doesn't matter who you, you know how, how well you're playing you still seem to get picked I, I just find it frustrating that A they don't give these you know these fantastic players the ball enough and when they do you know they look quite rusty against um, Italy they, they, they look like um, you know Eddie Jones was you know keeps saying we're going to play the best brand of rugby we've ever seen. We're going to be the best team in the world. And actually, all I've seen has just been really, really dull and average. Mm. Uh, I don't know what your opinion was, Elliot Daly and, and the selection in the back three. Yeah, that, I mean, the, the, there's definitely quite a lot of science being involved in the way they wanted to play. And it's very much the way that um, uh, rugby has been playing in quite a few sort of areas of the game with regards to if you win the kick battle, you mm. will more likely than not win the game. Yeah. So that's the starting point. So therefore, you're going to see a much more prevalence of kicks. Yeah. I mean, in our day, you know, people always talked about playing the Australian way. They play lots of expansive rugby. But when you look at the stats, they kicked a hell of a lot in their day, which you mm. didn't think. The, the, the thing for me is that I've got no problem with that first uh, part of the argument. It's what you then do with it. Yeah. And of course, you know, if you start giving the dominance, you get the, um, the, the ball dropping. You know, Jeff Cook always used to say to us, you're going to keep the ball. You've got to make sure it's either tactical so you're trying to yeah. get a position, or mm. you've got to do it in such a way that you've got at least more than a 50-50 chance of winning the ball back. Yeah, that's a frustrating thing. You know, when you see the nines, you know you've got this sort of caterpillar tail on the halfway line. And, you know, it used to be when we would, you know, kick for touch, it was always just inside your own 22. But now it seems to be all right the way up to the halfway line. What what can we do with it? Okay, let's not have the ball, let's kick it. And I kind of feel that it has worked and we have won trophies with it. But I guess people have, are just, you know, they're not, not enthused by that style of play. And I do think, though, if we could change the style of play, we do have the capability to play an amazing brand yeah. of rugby that and we could dominate like New Zealand have for years. I, I, I agree. I mean, you know, I get why they're trying to do it, but what, what frustrates me, and it sounds like it frustrates you, is that it seems to be that's the plan. 
Whereas, you know, for me, what I what I needed from you was the ability to get the ball away from any ruck or or maul or whatever at the at the optimum time through to um uh you know to the backs. Yeah. For me to get the ball at the best time. So yeah. go for a ball is is you know precious uh advantageous uh, ball that you want to have because yeah. if as soon as you turn the defense you've got a technical tactical advantage um so yes i get the whole thing about putting the ball over but the number of times i get this sort of a go forward or oh, let, let's just set it up again get it, oh. it and kick it and then you're gonna go but you just had the advantage that the defense is in disarray why don't you go for that and that's and i think in trying to rationalize the thinking is that at the moment they still aren't recognizing when that's the right time or the wrong time to do whatever and so they're doing the sort of first part of the plan but maybe the, the sort of thought process they're going through to try and work out when's the right time to attack when's the right time to go wide when's the right time to do the same again mm. that's maybe not as clear in their minds yet as to how they and when they want to do that that's me trying to be kind because you know you'd like to think that Eddie's got a very clear strategy in their mind and talking to the players and the players have a clear idea how they want to play it. Mm. And, you know, we're both players. We know what it's like. You, you go on the pitch, you try and do what we said we're going to do. And sometimes yeah. it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. And of course, then you hear all the people like us, old ex-players start slagging you off and you go, well, yeah. what do you know? You weren't there and stuff like that. But <laughs> I, I get all that. Um, but obviously, you know, we can only go with what we see. We're not in the camp. We don't, no. uh, you know, no. hear exactly what's being mm. talked about. But when I know, and you talked earlier on about if you want to get and see the Johnny Mays and the uh, Anthony Watsons flying down the wing, cutting inside and, and scoring yeah. tries, whatever. Um, you got to have the balls to keep the ball, yeah. don't you? That's that's what you got to be. And that's that's the thing that, that I kind of feel that they don't have the balls to keep the ball. I, I like the way Scotland approached playing against England. They kept the ball. They said, no, do you know what? We're going to keep the ball. We're just going to hammer at you. And they didn't let them into the game. And I kind of feel that England are almost the, the blueprint copied the Saracens blueprint for about five years where yeah. they literally kicked everything, squeezed you on set piece. And then after a while, they changed the way they played, scored more tries and they've developed. But I kind of, I do, we'll talk about sort of the premiership and uh, I know you're on the board at Leicester and, and how sometimes the rugby in the premiership is quite negative, but that's for another day. For the moment, I just want to talk about the England-Wales uh, game and you must have had some fantastic uh, games again. Did you ever lose to Wales? I never lost to Wales. Did you ever lose? Yeah, thanks for bringing it up. That's, that's probably the, the one team that I've had some of my worst performances Oh, right, Okay. So uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think I'm seven seven. I think really off the top of my head, yeah. Well, don't forget when you know um, my first game against Wales was eighty four, and we didn't win in Cardiff until ninety one because we went to the wow. Tour. So wow. so for ninety five, ninety seven, uh, sorry, eighty five, eighty seven, eighty nine. We we lost three games in Cardiff, and then we won the first time in in Cardiff in 91 for the first time for 26 years. But playing against the Welsh, do you know what, of all the teams, there's, 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 there's this sort of real spice about it um, because I just remember getting on the coach, going to the stadium, but I tell you what, the anthems is something else, isn't it? I mean, the hair's going to back your next stand up, don't they? Even on their anthem, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's, it's like, one, yeah. oh my, it's a great one. And, you know, the way the stadium is and it's just... They're, they're so passionate, but I just I just remember getting on the coach and all the way to the, you know, to the to the ground, there would be sort of like, um, everyone shout, wankers, you wankers. It was just like, oh, it was just, there was just real hate, 
But what what was your feeling in the changing room playing against Wales? You knew you were in for a tough tough match. Oh, yeah, you, you're in for a tough game. Um, it you know there's a lot of talk about. I personally don't like using the word hate in any situation. There's always a, yeah. Uh, you could argue as, as worst case scenario, animosity, and you want to to be. And there's yeah. always a sense of you know everyone wants to beat England. There's that. Uh, I don't care if we lose every game. If we beat England, then we've had a successful year type thing. But you know. Um, at the time when we played in the eighties, not so much, but in the nineties, that was the case because, you know, we were so dominant, you know, when you came to the yeah. team, you were coming to yeah. a dominant team. Yeah. And if we did get beat by Wales or Scotland and Ireland, it was more of a surprise than it was say back in the eighties. Um, but, you know, I said this the other day, it's one of the, one of the things I love about the six nations, um, mm-hmm. you know, England and or France, you would think from stats and numbers and various things should win it you know, alternate between them two winning every year because the numbers of players and that sort of stuff. But that's the beauty of it. You're, you play either home or away. It's a one-off game. You, know, yeah. you play five games and you sort of think, you know, there should be more Grand Slams, but it's not. It's tough. And winning a back-to-back Grand Slam is tough. Um, and that's the beauty about this tournament, how uh, it doesn't make a difference. I mean, you know, there's many games I've gone into which we were favourites, but on the day, if you don't score more points to the side, you will lose. Yeah, I just, I do find it very bizarre, you know, when you look at the the players. So, so this weekend, England against Wales, you I mean, just looking at the team selected, you just think on paper, England should win that, but they got a, haven't got a great record uh, over in Wales. And yet the Wales side, they couldn't buy a win, you know, last year, you know, really struggling. And yet somehow have just eked away and won, you know, their, their first two games, you know, uh, and it's just... And they've got some players coming back. Jonathan Davies, George North in the centre. Who I really, really like the look of Tipperick is on on fire, you know. And and they've got they've got a bit of form now, so it's not going to be easy for England. And all the pressures on the likes of Billy Vernapola, who's playing uh, again, who's not in form. You know, there's all this talk about Owen Farrell and George Ford, and I just the pressure's going to be on them, isn't it? I mean, bloody hell, real pressure to win that game for England. There, is, I mean, there is. There's more pressure. The expectation is for England to win. You know, yes, Wales have won their first two games. You'd like to think they should be favourites because they won the two games. But of course, you know, uh, people say, well, they played against 14 men, men for most of that game. Um, they snuck it in in whatever. But at the end of the day, you've still got to win the game. There's one thing, you, you know, I've never played against. If, if, if Wales have got all their players fit, yeah, they've always got an outstanding first 15. The biggest problem always been is their depth. Yes. You know, so if you start having injuries and, and one or two people get out of form, that's when potentially they they sort of down, but you know they they've always always had a a good um, first string fifteen, and of course if England are going in, you get a sense that you know against Scotland they didn't play well. That's no disrespect to Scotland. They no. deserve to win. I've got no complaints. Scotland deserved to win easily. They were by far the better team on the day. Um, against Italy, you'd expect them to win, and they scored some reasonable tries and started to look as if they were starting to get things in, some things together, but. There were so many mistakes. There were still yeah. errors and passes behind people and time. <clears throat> yeah. Now, if they get that thing right, then there's no doubt that the opening in pace will make England a much harder team to beat. And so it'll be a, you know, a game. Obviously but, what about, but, but what about the fact that, um, you know, the, I guess some of the players aren't, aren't playing, you know, you know, first-class rugby mm. like Owen Farrell. You know, you've got the Billy Vanapola scenario who's back playing again. I mean, just out of interest, um, I got dropped many times, all right? So did you ever get dropped by England? 
Did you, do you ever have a time where you were on the bench or not selected uh, because of form or whatever? I don't think you ever, I can't remember. You never got dropped, you lucky bastard. I got dropped more times than I was picked. Seriously, I, honestly, I had I had to compete with Dowie and then Matt Dawson and then Gomesall and then Healy had a go. And it was, was just... I, was, I, was, I think it was, there was, I was relatively fortunate. I mean, you, you at the same time came to the fore when you had Matt. So it was between you and Matt. Yeah, so yeah. It just yeah. depending on which form was in. Yeah. You know, hey, there's 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 two wingers on the pitch. That does help a little bit. Oh, that does help, yeah. <laughs> Can't have two scrum halves. Got me little shites on the pitch. Oh, yeah. that's, it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. And you could go to fullback now. Yeah, but I see what you mean. There's two there's two spots, isn't there, in the team for the winger? I know, but you 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 rarely had a bad game for England anyway. But I'm just interested in, you know, your take on the fact that established players who aren't informed still getting yeah. picked when you see the likes of, say. I don't know, Sam Simmons on fire for Exeter, um, you know, not getting a chance. Dan Robson playing really well, doesn't get a chance. Max Malin's on the bench, you know, Mac, you know, people like Marcus Smith could come in and really open it up. But Eddie Jones surprises me because he's the sort of forward thinker that you'd think would just get rid of some of the deadwood and just go for it. Because I think if he picked some younger players in it, he'd be forgiven for losing one or two games. Do you know what I mean? That, that's my feeling. I'm just trying to find the team. As I was trying yeah. to get to the uh, England team, I just flipped past the cricket, a zero for two. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. Let's not talk about that. No, so, I mean, I think they've got they've got Mark Wilson in the back row. Uh, the, Owen's in the centre with Henry Slade. Um, pretty much so. Luke Cowandisky's on the bench. Um, I mean, I, I, that, that, that for me, the back line is much more, I, I quite like that balance in the back line. Yeah. For me, yeah. at international level, Owen is a, is a very good 12 and I like I like the axis of Young's Ford and Farrell. I do. I think Slade is outstanding. I think I rate him highly as a as a player. Yeah. To me, this is the sort of closest I've seen to something like a Jeremy Guskett who I'd love to have played outside. Yeah. Uh, his, yeah. his running styles, his Ryan's London Ryan's running, the outside arc. For me, Jerry, the reason why he gave me some of his scoring tries is because his his timing, not only just the quality of pass, but the timing of pass when he gave it, uh, was outstanding. Um so you know, not really a major surprise in that team apart from things. And going back to the point you're making, I mean, it's the thing is when you set up your squad and you play in a certain way, then you've got players that you know and like because they play in that way. Yeah. But so what you're talking about is players who are slightly rusty. Yeah. Now, is it because they're out of form because they're slightly rusty or are they rusty because they're out of form? There's a bit of a chicken egg there. But so, you know, do you take something out and stick? Because, you know, the, the way that Billy plays is is different to the way that Sam Simmons plays. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, if, if Sam and Simmons doesn't fit in the thinking of the way that they're trying to play the game, it doesn't make a difference of an argument whether it's to do with who's in form or not because Sam doesn't fit into his yeah. That's the case. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and, you know, the problem at the moment, as everybody's talking about, is uh, Farrell, um, uh, Vunipola, uh, and Marrow and uh, Jamie George. George, yeah, uh, Jamie. You sort of well, they're not having any game time. Well, they're not having game time unless they play. And of course, at the moment, the only way they can play is play for England. Yeah, now, that's true. Yeah. Now the one thing is obviously you know uh, he he may not be his hundred best, but all four of them haven't played any games, and yet Marrow still there is uh, causing all sorts of problems, and still is a, still a presence. I mean, he's an outstanding yeah. player anyway. Yeah. Uh, in the game, um, you got you got. Uh, Jamie and you've got uh, Luke at the hooker. I mean, to be honest with you, either or, either or, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. biggest impact definitely is obviously uh, when when Billy's on form, he is 
he is by far, you know, whenever he's at top form and they're all fit and they're all playing at the top form, for me, Billy's still number one choice by a long way. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. Um, I think, so if you were to call, if you were to call the score this weekend for I've got, no, got no idea. <laughs> Why do you think I'm I pretty good. I know, but listen, oh, come on, oh, come on. If you had to call it now, if you had to call it, if you were on uh, a bet, a bet uh, you know, a betting, you had to bet, you had to bet your last five quid, you know, come on, give me the score. The one thing I'll say is that there's not as big advantage for Wales playing at Cardiff Arms Park, because, sorry, the Millennium Stadium. The Prince no, Party Stadium. No crowd. The Prince yeah. Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, for playing in Cardiff because of the lack of crowds. So yes. that, without a doubt, you talked about before, you know, mm. I've been there when they're singing all the hymns and everything. It is an outstanding <laughs> atmosphere. Um, so that won't have as big an impact. Um the difficulty is for any like is are they on a upward trajectory and playing better than they did against Scotland and did against um, Italy? And yes. that's, that's the, the difficult question. Uh, and, you know, will the luck that, um, and this is earned luck, this is not just yeah. Yeah. luck in a way, but the earned luck that Wales have, might that run out? Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So there's so many different factors in it as to, to know. I mean, as you say, on paper, I would put it down as, as, as an England win. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, heart with thrashing by you know six million points, but with the with the head, you know it's it goes back to on paper England should win. Yeah. Uh, in reality, in the game, fifteen against fifteen. Yeah. You could go. I mean, who's the referee? Oh, I'm not sure. Because that, that has a factor on it. I'm not sure. Oh, I've just seen George Martin's on the bench. That's outstanding for for George. But yeah, young Leicester, he's in nineteen. Yeah, bloody hell! That's that's a that's a, a big step up. Uh, j- just just to finish, I would like to ask about Leicester. Before I do, um, I want you to pick the two Lions wingers. Hopefully, there is going to be a, a, a tour. Hopefully, it's not in Australia. I would love it to see here if we can make it happen. But if you had to pick two out of the Six Nations, uh, Lions, Wingers. So there's obviously, you know, a lot of talent there to pick from. You've, but you were selecting today the two Lions, Wingers. Uh, well, I'll probably tip you, I, I, I'd pick two out of Reese, Anthony and... Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I've, that's what I wrote down. That's what I wrote down. <laughs> that's what I wrote down. I like it. Probably won't be there at all, but listen, just, just to finish off, I know that you're on the board at Leicester and, um, you know, to, to see Leicester sort of, let's say recovering form and, and actually, you know, seeing Steve Borthwick go from, from England to there, it was a, it was a great decision and I'm interested to see your take on promotion relegation. I, I personally, this is my view. Okay. On promotion relegation is I don't think the game is, is, is very well set up for it because in reality, you know, a team comes up, then goes down and goes, you know, they always, and it's, it's a yo-yoing, but it's the uncertainty of investment. I think in the premiership, that you know people won't invest necessarily to someone like Leicester if there's a potential they might go down and whilst it's very good for the public on the last day of the season you know it is good to watch you know, who's going up who's going down but actually yeah. to invest in the game you 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 know you've been at a club who've been champions the best team by a long time for like all, you know 10 years plus to see them struggle to look like potential relegation um what's it been like for you to 
to, for you know with the relegation promotion what's your take on it but secondly how pleased are you you can see the DNA of Leicester coming back with the wins that they've had even though they've lost some of their really good players but actually they're they're gathering momentum and they're going back to the great old days yeah um promotion relegation is a real it's a real tough one to call because I can see both sides of the argument yeah I I, I personally I like the fact that there's always something to play for towards the end of the season and maybe yeah. a couple of teams because not only you're playing to win it you're also playing to get a home advantage you're then playing to get in the top four to get into the semi-finals yeah. you're playing in the top six or seven to get in Europe so there's always that going yeah. upwards there's always the thing Yeah. then down the bottom you're avoiding to being in that that bottom place where mm. you potentially get relegated. So, you know, it, there's no doubt when we're in entertainment business, uh, it's all about the rugby. It's all about attracting new people and attracting sponsors and money into the game. If there's excitement like that all the way through to the last couple of games of the regular season, then that just boosts the context of the fact that we've got a, a long season and there's something in, in it for the yeah. whole season. Yeah. From, you know, my time involved with the board at Tigers and the challenges that all clubs have got with regards to trying to run the teams, trying to get the best players and try and, mm. um, you know, win as, as as many games and then obviously as many cups and, and trophies as you can. Competing with the power of um, the French uh, and the money that's in their game, it's a real, real big, massive challenge. Huge. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I completely understand and get the whole context of trying to create some sort of certainty within that. Um, that any team that comes up the championship, unless they... Um, unless they um, Great ringtone. Great ringtone. Yeah. I like that. I could talk about that in a minute. Football. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's my next call. So, um, oh, right. Sorry. Right. Um, the... I'm putting off by that ringtone now. Um, <laughs> the, 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 you know, straight away, the... Uh, team that comes up in the championship is at a massive disadvantage for a variety yeah. of reasons for coming up because the amount yeah. they've paid to get the championship to go up, they won't know when they get uh, promoted. So when they start recruiting players, they can't recruit the players until they get promoted. <laughs> straight mad. away, straight away, they're at a disadvantage. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why. I, I'm, I personally like the idea of promotion relegation. Yeah. I get the reasons why there needs to be some sort of control and, and, and whatever of it. And so there is a bit around, there must be some sort of halfway model that we can have, which has some sort of period where there is stability, but there's also an element that if teams are able to in the championship to prove that they're good enough uh, and play the model so they bring not just players up, but they bring, you know, quality stadiums and all of the, the, the bits and yeah. things that trying to aspire mm. to create much better environments for people to come and watch rugby in that there is a mechanism by which they have the ability to be able to do that. Yeah. And in a way that if they do do it and they're successful, that they're still not at a disadvantage to do it. Yeah. What that looks like exactly needs a lot more brain power than mine and yours to get together and work out how that happens. But that's, that's my gut feeling. I think it, it needs to be a hybrid type thing where either it's three years, five years, where there is a, yeah. there's no yeah. promotion obligation. However, there is a period when it, it changes or not. Mm. Um, and, and to a certain extent, there's an element of halfway house as well is that you have, because it did in my day, my last year at, uh, at Bedford, we played off against Rotherham 
we were second bottom in the league and they were second and then we played against each other to see who um yeah that i like that's a good yeah. idea as well i love that proof from a rugby perspective whether you're, you're good enough to get up or not but um but you're going yeah. in the right direction at leicester you must be quite pleased yeah, no, so that, yeah very very happy uh steve's brought a bit of steel bit of um consistency and quality to everything and uh, there's no doubt that in the games generally overall there's been a there's been a there's been a much better um performance i think still the frustration for me as a winger and, and the similar sort of things that we we've been talking about for england the sort of high ball and the kicking and the stuff yeah. sometimes you sort of think you know we do have some talented backs and uh, we'd like to see more of it uh, yeah. going out wide but definitely we're on the uh, upward trajectory it's maybe not as steep as we'd like it to be it's still upward yeah. and uh, you know it was never going to turn over never change overnight um, but I'm you know I'm generally pleased and I hope it just continues that way Signs are good. Well, listen, I know, I know, I know you've got lots of calls. So, what, what that, that was the football focus, was it? The uh, what was that? Oh no, 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 grandstand. So, a grandstand, of course, it was. So basically, a Saturday, a Saturday morning, when we're in the Petersham Hotel, Petersham Hotel at Richmond, uh, we used to have all our meetings and various things. And I used to be very chilled, but then when that started at quarter past twelve, and that that big, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the drum, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you had some music. To me, that was when I sort of mentally started switching on to the game because we always kicked off at 2.30 or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when I used to really switch on as we sort of the final pack in the bags, get down, yeah. final meeting, onto the bus and down to Twickenham. Oh, well, listen, you've had a, a fantastic career and it's it's going to take some somebody special like Johnny May to get the 49 tries. It's going to take him a while to do that, but you've been a gent, gent during your career and uh, great to have you on, on Rocket and, and chat rugby and wish you all the best and, and thanks for sitting on the fence with England and Wales. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, thanks, thanks Cheers, a lot. Kieran. Much appreciated. Kieran Bracken. Rocket. Thanks for listening and thanks to Rory Underwood for his insight in playing for England. Uh, don't forget to review the podcast and thanks to all those in Tanzania, Oman, Chad and Ghana where we are the number one rugby podcast. See you next week. <laughs>